This is an AMI podcast. This is an AMI podcast. Double Tap Canada. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to Double Tap Canada. It's the technology show for blind and partially sighted people like you, like me. Uh, I have Sean Priest with me over there. Hello, Sean Priest. That was very speedy. Are we in a rush? Yeah, yeah, we've got things to do. No time to faff around. Oh, God, I got worried there for a minute. Hello, I hope everyone's doing well. Tim Schwartz is here. Hello, Tim. I was very worried there for a moment. Hello, Stephen. Hello, Sean. I am a seasoned broadcaster, and I will tell you, I am well seasoned after the dinner I've just had. Plenty of salt. I think that's always good. Anyway, uh, yes, hello, welcome to the show. Lots to talk about. We're going to talk about privacy. Ooh, big scary thing. Uh, Yeah, because everyone's terrified that all our data is being eaten away by big companies sold off to the highest bidder. And, you know, some might say that's a bit paranoid. But in fact, it's true, and we're going to talk about it later. So, uh, yeah, that's coming up. Uh, Also, Sean, second part of your NVDA. Uh, What is this, anyway? Because the last time, I thought you'd done the NVDA thing last week, and now you're saying you want to come back and do it. What is this, a takeover or something? Do you want my job? Because you can have it. There wasn't enough time, was there? It was the time you and Tim stopped talking for two minutes. I only had so much time to fit it in. So I'm going to finish it off. We're going to go through the keyboard shortcuts you need to know the basics of getting started with nvda yeah do you know something tim he loves nvda isn't he he loves it he loves he it like a, like really a wife does. i think he loves it more than more, more yes he does <laughs> more wow she doesn't listen well I, 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 well this is the week she'll start and you're going to know all about it so you work in your shed often i know that have you tried sleeping in there because uh, I think you're going to be. Stay tuned next week. He forgets that, uh, Stephen, you and I can contact her and have her listen to the show. So. Oh, that's a good point, actually. Okay, that's enough of that. Let's move on. What else is coming up in today's show? <laughs> oh, right, okay. Uh, we're going to talk about the new app by Clue. No, well, it's not a new app. It's been out for a while. It's called Clue. That's C-L-E-W. And it's an app which is all about indoor navigation. This is actually quite an interesting app. But when it was launched, I think last year... Um, it kind of opened up with a few questions. It's always one of those things. I think the blind community, we as, as blind people, tend to always ask questions like, all right, that sounds great. Does it do this? Does it do that? Does it do that other thing? And you're like, no, not yet. Ah, like, oh, it's rubbish then. <laughs> so there are some new features that have come out, thankfully, uh, that I think will make this a much more interesting app with more to come. So I'm going to tell you about some of that as well. And we've got your emails, lots and lots of emails to get through so that's all coming up this week on Double Tap Canada thank you for tuning in thank you for your emails as well feedback at ami.ca is the uh, email address that you (laughs) forgot how to say email address not great for a tech show is it I remember once I met a guy who went for a job for an IT job and they asked him what his email address was and he said I I didn't have an email address so I I couldn't give them it and he said I can't think why I didn't get the job I'm thinking, well, yeah, if you don't have an email address, they're probably thinking, well, how up on IT are you? You don't even have a computer in your house. Email's so old school. Anyway, who emails anymore? All our listeners, priests. Oh, yeah, I forgot that bit. Sorry. (laughs) Uh, Please email. (laughs) Oh, dear. Right, okay. Let's get into privacy, shall we? Now, I am kind of a little bit concerned about this, I suppose. I don't know how concerned I should be. And that's why I thought we'd bring it up this week. Privacy is an ongoing concern for a lot of people because we're all giving away a lot of our data, our personal lives to social networks, uh, online, different forums, different websites, whatever. 
Um, even in the devices we buy, there seems to be an opportunity for us to give away a lot of our personal information. Um, we, we, a lot of us now have these Amazon Echoes and Google Homes and how much are they hearing? Um, what, what are they capturing? What's being done with all of that data? Um, and even if you think to yourself, well, I'm, you know, as, as clean as the day is long or whatever the phrase is, um, I'm easy <laughs> like Sunday morning, whatever it is that you think you are, um, could you end up being caught out? Could it actually be pretty dangerous to you? Um, even in, even, even if it's just around advertising. And um, this week we heard about Canada, who've been actually Canada's been very vocal about Facebook in particular. Um, we heard this last year, and they've been going after Facebook again. Really annoyed at the fact that Facebook broke a number of privacy violations, and this, of course, stems back to the Cambridge Analytica scandal, um, where apparently in Canada alone, six hundred thousand Canadians' data. Uh, were leaked and, uh, you know, given essentially over to Cambridge Analytica. And um, Facebook has not responded about this at all to Canadians or indeed to the Canadian government. Um, But they say that they expect this to be fixed. They expect this to be considered. And, of course, there was the uh, Facebook's FB event the other day where Mark Zuckerberg stood up and said, you know, a lot of words, which essentially were summed up to being, we're going to do better. And, you know, we're going to make your data not just, you know, as flushable as a piece of toilet paper. Um, Beautiful analogy. (laughs) Thank you. Um, But that's essentially what's happening. You know, the the lack of interest, it seems, in our data um, by these big corporations has not been dealt with, has not been accounted for. So I guess the question to you two is, you know, how concerned are you about your data, about what you give away? Because we all have smart speakers. We all use Facebook and Twitter and all these other things. So, you know, are we concerned about our privacy? No, not at all. Okay. No, but I think, look, I'm all for the convenience over the worries I have for my privacy, my data privacy. But that's not to say that these companies shouldn't be held to account. The amount of data breaches we've seen regularly, the, um, who was it? Was it Equifax? The the millions and millions, the sheer numbers involved. And that was so serious. And the handling of that. Data breaches happen. Um, They shouldn't do, but they can happen. Um, yeah, but this wasn't but this if, wasn't a, a, a hack. This was something that was actually sold to Cambridge Analytica. No, this was exactly. A, this was a deal. I'm, I'm going to get to that. Come on, that we got plenty of time. Take a no, breath. No, we don't. Hurry up. <laughs> Look, data breaches happen. It's all about how the company handles this and how transparent they are. And it's exactly the same for social media. Social media, we give away all our data for the terms and conditions, the usage, the the EU LAs that we we don't read and we skip and simply I accept, I accept. Uh, A lot of those, you know, it it gives the companies the right to do whatever they want with whatever we post, our personal data. But I think now that companies do need to be held more accountable to what they do. And look, Facebook is one of the the biggest culprits of this. The, um, The election, the US election, obviously, brought a spotlight to that, the Cambridge Analytica and everything around it. So, um, yeah, I think it's good. I say, go on, Canada, more power to you. Let's keep these companies under pressure. Just saying we're going to do better isn't enough anymore. Yeah, I absolutely agree with that. Good on Canada for fighting back. And, you know, I'm torn on this because you're right, Sean, we all agree to all those agreements and, and we give away freely our information, our data, and we 
in effect, trust these companies, Facebook and Twitter, Amazon, Google. We trust them with our personal information. And great, they give us tools that we can make things private to friends or acquaintances or people that we want to block or whatever. To people in our lives, we have all these different options of how to you know, either make something private or public or whatever. But that doesn't, that doesn't stop the company themselves from getting that information, doesn't stop the company themselves from seeing it and even choosing to sell it, which is obviously the whole issue with Cambridge Analytica. And so when Facebook is out there selling our information or our information is being manipulated or our accounts or advertisements sent to us, like you mentioned with the elections, uh, that begins to be a major problem in my opinion. So I don't mind putting certain things out there and I like the tools that I have on social media, but yeah, when the companies themselves start misusing uh, my information or illegally using my information, that's when I have a major problem. It, it came out earlier this week that there are folks at Amazon that can actually get information that you tell your Amazon Echo, not that they're using it in any way, but they can hear some of your requests and get those data logs and, and all that information. And hopefully they don't end up using it like Facebook had, but just knowing that some person at a desk somewhere at Amazon knows what I'm telling my Echo makes me a little uncomfortable. Why? What are you saying? <laughs> what are you saying? To well, I'm but... not saying anything awkward. However, the, the number of times that my echo just bongs because it thinks it heard the wake word, even though I never even said the wake word, um, that's a problem. And, that, and that's exactly why they are doing this. Because what they are doing is they are saying, and this is Amazon's response to that claim uh, of any kind of, you know, anything nefarious or anything going on. What they're saying is, that they are using this to train. You know, when you get that instance where you're having a conversation and suddenly your smart speaker thinks it's heard the word. Um, I was talking to someone about the election one day and, you know, whatever election it was, because in Britain we seem to have them every 10 minutes these days. Um, but, you know, there was an election going on and I was talking about it and the speaker picked up on that. Uh, and it started, I think it started telling me the the how fish worked or whatever it was you know it was something ridiculous and yeah and i was actually i have to say i was quite interested i didn't know how fish had worked before that um but the interesting thing was that that it was picking up on something i was saying it was therefore recording from the point it thought i'd said the word up to the point it decided oh this is wrong i'm not hearing the right thing or i'm not getting something that makes sense so therefore i'll stop recording now a lot of people don't quite get how these work. They only record, they do record what you say, and they do send that off to Amazon. That's the deal, right? That's how it works. It does that for two reasons. One, so that it can give you a response. And secondly, it stores that information so that it can be used to improve the service. Now, you can choose not to take part in that. And I read a very interesting article this week about this, where people were talking about the difference between Lady A and Siri. And they were saying, you know, it's interesting because Siri's seen as pretty poor in the grand scheme of things. But Siri doesn't identify you when you talk to it. So if I talk to my phone and I use Siri, it doesn't say Stephen Scott is asking this question. So here's the response. It's saying unidentified user number XYZ is asking for this information. That's right. It puts a sort of a, a unique identifier on that piece of information when it's sending it back. So as far as the uh, Apple are concerned. They're not. They don't know who has asked that question, which is partly why 
at least this article suggested that I read, that um, th- that might be why Siri's not quite as good, because what they're doing is they're trying to make Siri work from Apple's side rather than the user data being used to improve the service. Now, you can argue which is best, but ultimately it comes down to privacy. It comes down to humans, doesn't it? And I think the difference between something like Facebook and something like Amazon is Facebook, you're right, Sean, you're giving that information over. You're saying, this is information I'm giving to you. I am putting this up on your site. But with Amazon, that's a take. You know, you're, you're not giving data. You're not giving your personal information. You're asking questions. Those questions are being taken by Amazon, legitimately, but they're being taken. But it's when, like you say, Tim, that bonk comes along and suddenly it's recording something. And you could be having a conversation. There was a case where someone's entire conversation was recorded and then sent to a friend. I don't know how that happened. Um, but Amazon had to step in on that one and, and apologize for it uh, because, you know, it had it actually picked up on what it thought was the word, the wake word, the lady A word, started recording the whole conversation. And then however it happened, it was sent to that person they were talking about. Yeah, they should never have apologised for that. That was a nonsense story. So they obviously sent it as a message or whatever to one of their contacts. It picked it up. Look, I, I, no, I don't go for this. I, I think if you are going to take one of these smart speakers or any live microphone into your house, you've got to know how this works. And you are giving that voice command you are it's nothing to do with taking you're giving it you know that's not going to be processed on the device that's sent away to a massive computer in amazon's office do you think everybody gets that you think everyone who buys one of these things totally understands how that works well no but then the stories that we get with the the clickbait headline saying is your smart speaker spying on you that i mean it it, that is the essence of fake news you know it the people sort of Take that spying paranoia and the privacy paranoia that, that that's, we should have to some degree, but they play on that. So what's the problem here, Tim? Is it is it that people just don't know? They don't understand how it works? Is it that the companies don't tell you deliberately because actually most people probably would be a bit freaked out by that? I think the answer is yes. <laughs> I think that there are a certain number of people who do not know how those smart speakers work and therefore when they say something and it and it goes off and and it may be recording a bit of their conversation they don't realize what's being sent to amazon and to google and i think that is part of it however the bigger problem i think is the company themselves and how they handle that information how they handle that data if worst case scenario facebook and twitter amazon google all these companies if they were using my requests or my information my posts on facebook where i check in things i like if they use those for targeting advertising because i'm not going to be able to stop them from advertising that's how they've got to make their money so fine so be it yeah if they're going to advertise to me and they're going to use things that i've done or said to target the advertising so that it's something that I might actually be interested in instead of getting advertisements for things that I could really care less about and annoy me, that's fine. If that was worst case scenario, that would be great. And that would be the end of the conversation. The problem is, is when it comes down to, you know, unfortunately having employees who might be a bit, uh, shady who get that information and want to use it themselves or sell it or whatever, what have you, or even big companies like Facebook themselves getting in trouble for purposely selling your information to companies for 
maybe good reasons, maybe nefarious reasons. And then you get into the whole, you know, advertisements being, uh, you know, directed in bad ways and, and unfortunate, you know, uses of the system for hacking and, and all that kind of thing to sway elections. And those are the big issues that I have a problem with. So are there things that these companies can do to, to fight back with that? I think there are some things. Can they eliminate it altogether? I don't know. But that's where it starts to get a little bit scary and to be a problem. If it was just targeted advertising, I don't think we'd be having this conversation. So just to be clear, Facebook and the Cambridge Analytica scandal, that is very much out in the public domain. Amazon has made it very clear, no nefarious action going on. They are purely using the data they receive for improvement of its services. My question to you two is, though, do you think with the generations that are growing up now and you know you think about the generations who are using facebook and have always used facebook you know maybe born in the early 2000s who are now 18 19 years old um you know they're they're they've grown up with this this is part of their life giving over their data freely and they don't seem to have a problem with it do you think by two or three generations down the line we're not actually going to be worried about privacy in fact it may not even be a factor in our lives yeah i, I think so i think it's a case of convenience over worries about safety, as I've said before. Um, I think Google probably have walked this fine line pretty well so far. Uh, some of the Google services, you know, they, they've got so many services that are for free, and it's purely for getting information about you for advertising purposes. Yet, people are quite happy to use whatever service it is, Gmail or whatever. And um, so far, Google have managed to stay out of trouble with all that data that they've got because their services work so well. It's like magic when you get a, a card popping up on your phone or device saying, oh, you probably want to do this now or don't forget you've got to do this. And because of that, we're quite happy. But I think it is down to legislation, it is governments that need to step in and keep an eye on um, these big companies because once they get too big, um, there is concern there. I think Facebook actually have, have come under fire quite rightly so far. The others yeah, they want to make loads of money. Well, they do, yeah, but <laughs> it, it it's more than, as Tim said, it's more than just targeted advertising, which we're all quite happy with, I think. It's when it starts going, we're selling your data to a company for what reason? If it's not for advertising, mm. then I want to know what it's for. But I think that's my question to you both. It's, it's a case of, yeah, but how far... Are you, you know, it's, it's one of those things, it's absolutely fine if the neighbour says to you, you know, I, I could drop you off in town. You're like, oh, thanks. That'd be great. And then the next day, oh, I'll, I'll take you into town again. Oh, that's lovely. Next day, it's like, you know, okay, I'd like to come in there for a cup of tea. Uh, uh, right, okay. And then it's like, I, I'd like to stay the night. And it's like, oh, hang on a minute. This started off fine. when we, we, just, we just had it when you were taking me into town. It was fine. Now you're staying with me and you seem to live here. Um, I'd kind of like you to go away now. Uh, but I can't because I feel stuck with you. Um, that's how I got married. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Look, we'll leave, I love you. We'll leave Don't it. listen to this. Yeah, um, I think Tim and I've got some text to send. Uh, we're going to uh, go and do that. But meanwhile, Sean is going to talk to us about uh, NVDA. Okay, so last week I showed you how to download and install NVDA, the screen reader for Windows. Today we're going to continue on with that. I'm going to show you some of the basic keyboard shortcuts you should know to get you started and to show you how to move around and navigate Windows using NVDA. But before we get started, I've got a confession to make because last week I did say that when you install NVDA, it will use the eSpeak voice synthesizer. Well, actually, I was wrong. 
I know, I know, doesn't happen very often, but <laughs> no. If you do install NVDA on your Windows 10 system, you will get the nicer sounding, I think, Microsoft Core Voice as the default voice for NVDA. Now, the reason that my system used eSpeak was, well, because I'd been mucking around with my version of Windows and deleted some things I probably shouldn't. But anyway, let's gloss over that terrible mistake and just say that you will get speech during installation, which is what's important. Phew. Anyway, let's jump in to getting started with NVDA. So let's pick up from just finishing the installation of NVDA. You may remember this dialog box from last week, but here we go with the new Microsoft Core Voice. Success dialog successfully installed NVDA. Please press OK to start the installed copy. OK button. So just press Enter to start NVDA. That lovely little tune lets you know that NVDA has started, and if this is your first time running NVDA, you will get this dialog box. Welcome to NVDA. Most commands for controlling NVDA require you to hold down the NVDA key while pressing other keys. By default, the numpad insert and main insert keys may both be used as the NVDA key. You can also configure NVDA to use the caps lock NVDA key. Okay, so the NVDA key, what does that do? I think the message there was pretty self-explanatory, but let me just go into it a little bit deeper. If you have a full-sized keyboard, so that's a keyboard that has a separate number pad on it, you can use any of the insert keys as a NVDA key. Now, the NVDA key is a key that you press along with any of the other keys on the keyboard to get NVDA to do a certain action, maybe read a certain thing on the screen or perform a certain function. Now, as you heard, you can also have the caps lock key as your NVDA key as well. Now, that's handy if you're using a laptop style keyboard, which I'm using here, which doesn't have a separate insert key available. Now, this message does go on a little bit further and give you some more information, but I'm going to skip it for the purposes of time in this demo. The important thing in this dialog box are the options that it gives you. So I'm just going to hit tab to jump to the first option, which is... Keyboard layout, combo box desktop collapsed alt plus K. The first option we have is to choose what sort of keyboard you're using. Is it a desktop full-size keyboard or are you using a laptop keyboard? This matters because, obviously, on a laptop keyboard, you have less keys available. So some of the keyboard shortcuts are different on a laptop keyboard than they are on a desktop keyboard. But don't worry about that too much. It's not too different. In my case, I am using a laptop keyboard, so I'm going to hit the arrow down key to change it from desktop to laptop. Laptop. And then tab to the next option. Use caps lock as an NVDA modifier key checkbox not checked alt plus U. Now, as I mentioned earlier, I do like to use the caps lock key as my NVDA key, so I'm going to hit space to tick this option. Space. Checked. Again, let's tab to the next option. Automatically start NVDA after I log on to Windows checkbox not checked alt plus A. Yes, of course I want NVDA to start as soon as I open Windows, so yes, I'm going to hit space to check this option as well. Space. Checked. And let's tab to the last option, which is... Show this dialog when NVDA starts checkbox checked alt plus s. And no, I don't want to see this dialog box again, so I'm going to hit space to uncheck this option. 
space, not checked. And thankfully, that's it. Just hit enter to OK all those options. You will see another dialog box, but don't worry. It's only asking if NVDA can collect your usage data. I know that sounds scary, but really, it isn't. All they want to know is what systems NVDA is running on. So, what version of Windows you're using, what voices you use, what synthesizer you're using. It's all anonymous, and they're not looking about what you're doing on your computer. So, it's entirely up to you if you want to allow that or not. But either way, that's NVDA downloaded, installed, and set up, and ready to go. So, let's see what we can do with it. Okay, so I have NVDA running, and I'm on my desktop. Folder view list, 76 data, 1 of 105. Oh, and just to say, if you want to jump to your desktop, simply hit the Windows key and the letter D. But anyway, to move around your computer using NVDA, just use the up and down and left and right arrow keys and the tab key. As you heard, I'm currently on the first object on my desktop, which is 1 of 105. Yes, I am that disorganized. So currently I'm on a folder called 76 data, so I'm just going to press the arrow down key to go to the next item on my desktop. Nvd2.up2 of 105. Let's down arrow again. 80 data 3 of 105. And as you can hear as I'm going through, it's announcing what item I'm currently on. Now the desktop is arranged in a grid style, so you can also go left and right arrow to go through the items on there. Or, if you know the name of the item you're looking for on your desktop, just simply start typing it. For example, if I hit the letter N, I will jump to the first item on the desktop, starting with N. N. Nv2.up2 of 105. And if I hit N again, it will jump to the next item. N. NVDA install data 6 of 105. Okay, so far so easy. Now, if I hit the tab key, I will jump through the various elements of the Windows screen. So if I hit tab now, I will jump to the start menu. Start button. So I can either hit space or enter on there to bring up the start menu, or let's just keep tabbing through to see what other elements make up the Windows desktop. Type here to search button. Tab. Running applications toolbar. Dropbox shortcut button. Tab. User promoted notification area toolbar. No actions needed. Now, the same as when I was on the desktop, now I'm in the notification area. I can use the left and right arrow keys to go through the various apps and icons that are on there. So if I right arrow. Skype button. And again, just arrow through it. Safely remove hardware and eject media button. Intel registered HD graphics button. You get the idea, and of course you can hit enter on those to start them up, or hit the application key to bring up a context menu. And if you keep tabbing through, eventually you'll just cycle back to the desktop. And that's basically it. That's how you navigate around using NVDA. And it's exactly the same if you're in a folder, or if you're in an application. Tab and cursor keys save the day. Okay, again, I'm running out of time, so I'll quickly go through some of the NVDA keyboard shortcuts I think you should know. To bring up the NVDA menu, press the NVDA key and the letter N. Then just use the arrow up and arrow down keys to go through the various options there. Here you can do so many things, such as setting the keyboard layout, changing your speech synth, changing your voice, setting up braille displays, everything. So, it's definitely one you need to know. To quit NVDA, press the NVDA key plus the letter Q. Easy to remember. If NVDA is speaking and you want it to, well, shut up, just press the control key. 
If it's speaking and you want to pause its speech, just press the Shift key. And again, press Shift to resume speech. To read the title bar of the window you're currently in, press NVDA and T. To read the status bar, press NVDA and the End key. To get keyboard help, press NVDA key and the number 1. Then, whenever you press a key, it will tell you what that keyboard shortcut does in NVDA. To exit NVDA help, press the Escape key. To get NVDA to tell you the time, press NVDA and F12. To get it to tell you the date, press NVDA and F12 twice. Now, sadly, I don't have time to actually demo opening up a web browser and navigating through a website, but I'll quickly tell you how to do that. And basically, it's the same as before, using the tab and the up and down arrow keys. Now, there is something extra to websites, and that is the single key navigation. So, for example, if you open up a website and you want to quickly jump through the headings of articles on that website, just press the H key. That will jump through the website, jumping to every heading. To jump to the previous heading, hold down the Shift key and press H. And there's many of these keys to jump to different elements of a web page. For example, press E to jump to the next edit field. Press X to jump to the next tick box. R to the next radio button. G to the next graphic and so on. It really makes navigating websites quick and easy. Now you will find a list of keyboard shortcuts and a user manual in the NVDA menu. Remember that's the NVDA key and the letter N. Arrow down until you find the help section. So there you go, that's your very basic introduction to NVDA. And I hope it does show that using a screen reader doesn't have to be slow and clunky. You can actually be really productive. Thanks. Double Tap Canada. Welcome back to Double Tap Canada. Stephen here with Sean and Tim today. Let's get back to uh, our show and uh, actually to Tim because, you know, I realised, Tim, uh, that last week we didn't get a chance to get to your bits, uh, which is rather unfortunate. Uh, so, uh, yes, yeah, so this wow. this week I thought we'd get them out again. Uh, oh, and actually, let's, uh, let's, let's see what they've got to offer. Uh, so this time round, oh, it's all about oh. iOS 13. Here's Tim's bits. Stop. Oh, my... It is time once again for another edition of Tim's Bits, and this week I'll be telling you about all of the updates to iOS 13 that I'm most excited about that we expect to be announced at Apple's annual WWDC conference coming up on June 3rd, 2019. First up, Dark Mode. This is a feature already available on the Mac, and many apps have also implemented a Dark Mode feature, but rumors say that Apple will be implementing Dark Mode system-wide through iPads and iPhones, which should make things easier on the eyes, especially for those people who have issues with bright contrasts. Speaking of the iOS interface, we are also hearing rumors about a complete redesign to the look and feel of the iOS itself. This could mean being able to place icons on the screen wherever you like them to be, rather than them defaulting to the upper leftmost corner of the screen. This also may bring more dynamic content provided to you when you place your finger on an icon. For instance, you may place your finger on the weather app and actually receive weather information without having to even open up the app itself. Another rumor about iOS 13 is about how apps might be streamlined between your Mac, your iPad, and your iPhone. 
Given the code name Marzipan, this would allow developers to implement changes within apps that would make Mac apps available on your iPhone and vice versa. We are also hearing that there may be some major updates to certain Apple stock apps like the Mail app, Notes, Safari, Apple Music, and Apple TV. And finally, one of the rumors that I am most hopeful about coming true are the possible updates to Siri. Within the last year, we heard that Apple had hired away the lead of Google's artificial intelligence team, and they also were looking to hire over 160 new employees to add to their own Siri development team. All of this points to the possibility of Siri becoming more reliable and more intelligent, and it also allows for developers to implement Siri more deeply and interactively within their apps using Siri shortcuts. Between now and Tim Cook's keynote address at WWDC on June 3rd, I'm sure that we'll hear many more rumors and leaks about iOS 13 and the upcoming Apple products. Look for iOS 13 to be further developed and tested this summer with the release coming in autumn of 2019. So what feature are you most excited about coming to iOS 13? Please let us know by sending an email with your thoughts to feedback at ami.ca. Well, there we go. Some interesting bits from Tim. Thank you for that, Tim. I have to say, I was quite impressed by them. Uh, no, I will say this. I think dark mode, stop laughing. I think dark mode is uh, going to be the one that will, people will talk about a lot. Um, I think it's good. I mean, I have to say, I, I, I'm a way ahead of the curve on this one, guys, because I've been, uh, I've been using an equivalent of dark mode called smart invert for some time. So, eh. Yes. <laughs> who are you nerring at? Is <laughs> so who are the critics that you're having to near at? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you, you've been using normal mode. I've been using smart invert mode. So I've been using really dark mode for about 10 years. I can't see a darn thing. So, yeah. Tim wins. Hey. <laughs> Tim wins that <laughs> argument. Okay, fine. Always lose out to the blind. Right, okay. Um, Let's talk about, actually, do you know what? Before we get into this app that I want to tell you about, I want to talk about something I've been up to this week. I've been buying again, guys. Uh, yeah, oh. I know. You say this like this is news. I mean, I know you've bought a few things this week. Let's not get into your midlife crisis. <laughs> oh, no, that's what I talk about. <laughs> oh, please, oh, no. Oh, I've got to tell you about this because I haven't had a chance to talk to Tim. Tim and I haven't had a chance for good old Natter for a while. So Tim doesn't know this, um, but I, I think it's fair to say, Tim, that I've... Uh, I think I'm going through a bit of a midlife crisis. I think I've found where it is. You know, it's not it's not really sports cars for me, obviously. Um, leather jackets aren't my thing. So I decided to get into something. And I thought, what? And it, it just kind of ha- it's happened overnight. I found what it was. DIY. Do-it-yourself. Oh, no. Uh, handyman, whatever you want to call it. Uh, yes, I, or handy person, actually, to be. Fair. Yeah, let's be PC um, about it. Yes, absolutely. As you know, guys, I'm as PC as an Apple Mac. But no, look, I decided um, <laughs> that I would uh, I would get into this. So I bought myself a cordless screwdriver. Is it Sonic? Uh, that's a Doctor Who reference, He's I think. Such a nerd. I know. That's. I mean, it's, it's bad enough for the Star Wars references, but I I, I decline any reference to Doctor oh! Who in this program. Oh, how dare I'm you! Sorry, I'm not having it. Um, anyway, so cordless screwdriver, cordless screwdriver, USB charging, by the way. So height of technology. I don't Ooh. know if it can do firmware updates, um, <laughs> but you know we'll learn. Oh boy! Uh, check the software version. Seems all right. Um, it's got it's got a light on it, which is quite nice. Uh, it's got. Um, forward and reverse functions, which inevitably a cordless screwdriver should, otherwise it would be fairly pointless. 
I don't know why that excited me so much. Um, but I decided this all started because I wanted to change some door handles in my house. And I thought, I'm going to have to get a guy in. I'm going to get somebody in to do this because I have no idea what I'm or doing. Or a woman. And I'm like, right, okay. And I'm like, hang on a minute. I could, I could do this. How hard could it be? How difficult could this be? So uh, YouTube uh, watched a video of a young lady who was showing me how to change door handles. Steady. No, no, honestly, it was, it was really good. She was very informative. And I thought, is that it? That looks really simple. So ordered the door handles, and I've changed them myself this week using my cordless screwdriver and my newfound ability to clearly build houses. Um, well done. And uh, wow. I've got to say, the door is still standing. The house is still here. Things are good. There hasn't been a power cut yet. So things are good. Next week, a tool belt. Yeah, a tool belt, right. I am very impressed, Stephen. <laughs> so next week, I'm going to change a plug. Uh, I think that's a great idea. <laughs> You're oh, so no. inspirational. We can do anything. <laughs> yeah, well, like I say, when I'm living in a hotel, as a result of uh, burning my house to the ground, that may be a different story. I think I might leave the plug. I think that might be a good idea, because if you do change the plug on your own, I, I just want to say, can you can you FaceTime Sean and I, leave the phone call open on speakers so that we can listen while you do that? I, I want to hear Listen, that. and then it'll be like, oh yeah, I was supposed to turn the electrics off first, wasn't I? Oh yeah, yeah. That That's kind of what I want to hear, yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> but no, I'll tell you, this, this has actually been given high praise. Indeed, my wife said to me the other day, she said, you've done such a good job, you can change other doors in the house. That's the kind of confidence my <laughs> wife has gotten me. So, Because he was given a tester job, yes. he could only change the cupboard exactly. door handle. I was waiting yeah. for the call saying, I'm trapped in a cupboard. <laughs> Ring the police. Do you know, the thing is, once I was, I was stuck in a bathroom once, and I couldn't get out, and, and I could not figure out how to open the door, the, the lock had broken. If I had had this information at the time, I'd have got out of there without having to climb out the window. Oh, if only you had your uh, cordless <laughs> screwdriver with you at all at times. All, You're like MacGyver. Comes, it's amazing. comes in a little case. It snaps shut. It's really nice. Okay, I think it's time to move on. Keep listening. All right, clue move up along, then. Move along. I'm quite impressed at this. <laughs> oh, right, okay. This is the kind of support you get, guys. No, this well done. You are all Thank man. Thank you. We're impressed. Okay, well, let's talk about the Clue app then. C-L-E-W. I have to pronounce the E because Sean can't understand whether I'm saying A or E. You've got a funny accent, I will say. So that's C-L-E-W. E. I'm saying E. Mm. What are you hearing? That's just a funny twang. I thought you were claw. He can't say calm. He can't say clue. We we understand. It's because I'm Scottish. Don't you understand? Oh, right. That explains a lot. (laughs) Anyway, the app itself... Let's add a major update, which is great, actually. Uh, this is an app which is for indoor navigation. It's for the iPhone, and you can essentially create a route by yourself. Uh, say you went to a shopping centre. Um, use this as an example. So you go to a shopping centre, and you might ask for assistance to get you to a store. Well, you can sort of start your phone recording the route that the person takes you to the store, and then you can stop that. And then actually turn around and walk back. So, you know, you don't come out of the store and think, right, how to get out of this place? So you can find your way back out again. And you can use it for um, for any kind of one-off routes. And that was, that was kind of one of the problems, that you could only really use it once. Uh, so you could use it to get in, you could use it to get out of the store. But if you'd gone back again, well, you'd have to get someone else to show you again because it would have lost that. It doesn't didn't save it, and that was a bit of a problem. And that was kind of one of the things that put me off it because I thought, well, this is great for part one, you know, yeah. but then... That's it. I'm stuck. You know, I go back to a place I can't find my way back. So 
really pleased to learn they've brought out a new update which lets you save routes and create milestones along the way. So that means you could choose to go back um, via a certain route that you prefer. Maybe there's one or two ways to get there. Also allows you to resume recording a route you're halfway through. Um, but, you know, basically you have to be at the milestone to do that. So essentially if there's a way you go somewhere, a way, a way that you found to navigate, then this is how you can do it. Great if you maybe move into a new house, you're just getting your way around. Um, great if you are in a place that you're going to be going regularly. Maybe you go to the airport regularly and you want to find your own way to at least the disability desk or, you know, the, the in my case, Starbucks. Um, so, you know, it's great for all that kind of thing. And it just gives you options. But there's a feature coming, which I think will make a big difference. Because, of course, I think what this alludes to is that blind people actually do have friends and do occasionally go out with other people occasionally um, who are also blind. Really? And that is why, <laughs> yeah, I know it's amazing, isn't it? I had no idea uh, because I, I stay as far away from you two as physically possible uh, most of the time. And um, we like that. Yeah, and you two are fine with it. So um, this next version, I mean, I'm really happy with the version that's come out, but the new version is also going to include the ability to share routes with friends. Now, I think that is brilliant because if we were meeting and I was at a restaurant and I wanted you to be able to find the route from the door, I, this is a problem all the time. I, I think of so many examples of this where I'm meeting my wife somewhere and she'll say, right, where are you? And I'll, I'm in the cafe. And she said, where's the cafe? And I, oh, yeah. So if I do the route as I walk in the door of, say, the, the train station to the cafe, yeah, I can send that to her and then she can follow that route to find me. I think that's brilliant, actually. And even, I think, even up to the table you're standing at. And the way it works is kind of, I think it's all done through AI and through the, the phone itself, isn't it? It's not done through um, beacons or GPS, because, of course, you right. can't do that internally. No, and, and the, the first one was really just a tech demo, what this technology was capable of. Yeah. Uh, and we could see the potential of it, but as you said, you know, it was the limitations really stood out. You want to save a route. Um, and yes, it uses actually the AR, the Augmented Reality Kit from Apple. Um, that's how it uses no GPS at all. So for using it indoors, it's great. It just uses the camera to recognize uh, objects on your route and the motion data from actual sensors in your phone. So, yeah, i got to say, I tried out the new version, and I thought it was really good. I was impressed. I agree. When this app first came out, I believe we did discuss it a while back here on the show, and it did kind of fall short of our expectations of an app like this and of our needs for an app like this. And with this update and with the sharing uh, ability coming later, uh, I have re-downloaded the app, just like you said, Sean, and I'm very impressed with it. It has become the indoor blind square, in my opinion. I use blind square with Ooh. waypoints and all that kind of thing outdoors. And now with Clue updating the way it has, it really has become an indoor version of that to get that information that we need. Now, <laughs> the downside, the sharing is I could see Stephen sharing with us, Sean, this route, but not be the real route. And we end up in like a bathroom somewhere or a closet in a mall and, and get stuck. I, I just feel Stephen might do something like now that. Now you're giving him ideas. Well, that's, thanks. That's terrible. <laughs> that's true. I should shut up. Not give him any ideas. Yeah. So we're meeting Tim next week, Sean. Uh, so uh, when we meet, you know, we're going to basically steer him directly into a toilet somewhere and say, yeah, we're here. I don't know where you are. But I, know where, I know where I am. Uh, no, um, I, I think this is a really good app, actually. You're right. It is. It, it kind of, 
I think with Microsoft these days doing what they're doing and they're continually developing software with, with AI and, and now VR, uh, I, I think it it's kind of one of those things. I get the impression that someone in Microsoft, and this, this might be a huge indictment on them, but I, I think that they might be sitting there going, that's a good app. You know, I, I could just put that into seeing AI. And, it, you know, actually, I'd kind of like them to do that. I'm not saying that we should just trash this app <laughs> and say, let's, you know, basically hoover up all that stuff they do and stick it in this app. But, you know. But if only Microsoft would add it, then we wouldn't need any other app. Exactly. And also we'd know it would be <laughs> continually updated. That's the thing. You know, I, I kind of worry sometimes with these these independent apps. No, well, last week we were talking about Microsoft's Seeing VR toolkit for you know, virtual yeah. reality and games. And this does give you a glimpse of some of the potential that, that augmented reality, these headsets, these smart glasses do have for the visually yep. impaired. You know, And I, I've got to say, again, t- to me, this is like when I first got my iPhone and I first did um, object recognition and it read a can of whatever it was, beans or whatever. I was amazed. You know, it was like magic. And I, I get the same sort of feeling with this. The fact that it's doing it all on device. It's recognizing stairs and things like that. Yes, it's not 100%, but there's something special about using it. I, as I said, I used, I demoed it out and I thought, wow, you know, turn left slightly, continue forward and go down the stairs. And it just works really well. I think it does need some work on um, the sort of user interface because if you do want to save a route, you need to make a landmark. And it was all slightly confusing exactly how you did that and you had to name it. And if you wanted to save the route, you had to pause it at the end point. So I think it does need some work from the user interface. But the potential, again, as with the first version, I think, yeah, this could be really good. And I'm definitely going to keep this on my phone now. And this type of technology is exactly why I feel in the next year, maybe two years, whether it's Apple, whether it's Microsoft, whomever it is that puts out the the first really good next generation version of smart glasses with video, audio, and everything connected to your smartphone using AR, using the video, using all these different sensors and things. That is going to be a huge breakthrough for the blind and visually impaired, because imagine taking this AR technology from Clue with other GPS technology and the sensors and and, and you know, AR and all that, and combining that with the video from smart glasses that can do object recognition and all that, that I think is going to be a huge next step. And I believe truly it's going yeah. to be the next year or two. Okay, well, we shall watch with interest if you've experienced it or you've tried it. Let us know. Feedback at ami.ca. Uh, let's get to your emails because uh, quite a few coming in. Keith Waters had been in touch last week. He's back in touch again this week to say, just an add-on to my last email. I'm not sure that I made it clear that the fax and scan feature was in Windows 10 that I was talking about. Then using JAWS to read whatever you've scanned in. The reason for mentioning it is that in some circumstances, if a scanner is on a shared network and the settings on the scanner are changed from default, it can affect the access from K1000 and JAWS scanning. But I have found that Windows, Fax and Scan can be a workaround. Uh, This is, of course, where you need to uh, scan, because I didn't realise this. I thought it scanned via uh, a scanner directly, but it doesn't. You've got to essentially scan a document in and then use JAWS to read it. That's what we were talking about last week, wasn't it? Yeah, thanks, Keith. That's a a great tip. And look, I must admit, we were kind of blundering and stumbling around when it came to the screen reader OCR functionality. It's something we really haven't used that much, but um, it really does seem like it's it's come on and it's really quite a useful feature now. I've been playing with the NVDA. Yes, I love NVDA. I've been playing with the NVDA uh, recognition 
mm. which uses the built-in recognition in Windows 10. And uh, yeah, I, I think it works really well. And I'm sure the Jaws one, which is actually, I think, a bit more involved, uh, uh, more mature, I think that probably does work really well as well. And it, it is very much, you know, when you're going through, I was using Facebook and, you know, you get some people that post something up and it's just text images. I was trying it on that and, um, yeah, it did work really well. So, mm. yeah, I like it. And Windows Fax and Scan is um, is okay. It's, yeah. Um, yeah. It's better than not having it, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> That's when we look at it. <laughs> exactly. You've got the option there. You can scan without it having is. to buy any software. And it is accessible. And, uh, you know, it just works okay. It's great for scanning documents and things like that. Yeah, I've been using it. Have you been Have you been using it, Tim? Because I know you're a JAWS user. You, you like all that stuff. <laughs> I am a JAWS user. And once in a while, I will use the OCR capabilities. I haven't used uh, Windows Fax and Scan to do anything, but I think that's a really simple way to get it done, especially like Keith says, if you're on a shared network or something like that, just simply go in the Fax and Scan, get the document you need, and, and away you go. But yeah, the, the OCR functionality with JAWS is really, really good. Yeah, because we've got a shared network op- uh, printer in our office. And what I do is I just get, well, I, I can't do it because the printer's not accessible. Um, so someone has to go and it's a touchscreen thing. and you've got Oh, to, yeah. Yeah, it's all that nonsense. And they've got to do it and it sends to email. So that's great. And what I do now, because I know this now, I can actually get a PDF sent to me. I can open it up and then use JAWS to read it. Uh, and to do that, I, do, I think we might have mentioned this last week, um, but if not, we'll see it again. The OCR and scanner feature in JAWS to make it work is hold down JAWS, press the space bar, then let go and press O, then A. Now, that will let you essentially A for acquire, if you like, the image. Uh, but if you've already got a file on your computer, like I mentioned, someone emailing me a PDF document, just get you know to that document, open it up, and then do exactly the same, uh, which is JAWS key, spacebar, and then O and D for document, and it will scan that document and tell you what it says. So thanks, Keith, for that. I appreciate that. I have to say I'm learning a lot here with all this. So definitely. Really, uh, thank you for that. Um, okay, well, we've been getting a lot of emails on this kind of topic, although Brian's been in touch to tell us about a new voice that he had actually written. You're going to like this one, Sean. He's written a voice for uh, uh, NVDA using eSpeak. Aha. Uh-huh. Uh, now, he's called it Quincy. Do you know of this voice? Quincy MD. Yeah, of course. Great TV series. Well, that's he says it's not because it sounded like the guy in the TV show, uh, but because it's deeper and less like an annoying salesman. <laughs> um, he said it's still included in NVDA eSpeak variants. He says, I think they chose the current one due to it being a compromise for many languages by default. However, if you install it on Windows 10, it should be, in fact, default. Uh, it should default to the Windows 1 core voices. So I'm not sure what happened in the demo. He said, but uh, give Quincy a try. It's also much better for low-spec laptop use as well. So there you go. Yeah, as I said earlier in my NVDA piece, I did slightly make a mistake. Slightly, only slightly. Um, My Windows 10 system has been, let's say, tinkered with a little bit, and I did remove some of the sappy voices and Microsoft Core Uh voices, and it loaded up a a previous NVDA configuration with eSpeak. So, yeah, 
I did make a mistake there. It does. If you do install NVDA on Windows 10, you will get the Microsoft Core Voices as a default. Um, and they're actually quite nice. They are quite nice. But that's not to say eSpeak is a, is a bad synth at all. It's just I know from previous talks I've had with people that use NVDA, that's the first thing they always say. Oh, I'm not sure about that synthesizer. Um, so it is something I always mention and show how to change that synth. But um, eSpeak isn't bad, actually. I, I you know, it's okay. Once you get used to it, it's fine. It says it's good as well. It's low on resources. The base content in Quincy is better on a tiny speaker. So there you go. Um, he also mentions that he says, second note that OCR in NVDA natively uses the Microsoft Cloud OCR, so it's not going to work on Windows 7. You would need to find an old add-on for that. Ah, that's a good point, yeah. Yeah, and you can still find, you know, the NVDA add-ons. If you just Google them, I'm sure you'll find some of the older OCR add-ons. And But you know what? Who's not using Windows 10 anyway? Who's using Windows 7? Come on. Well, a lot of people, I think, um, especially a lot of blind people. A lot of people, people, fact, people are still using XP and 7. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, that was a little bit of a joke. Please, please don't send me emails. I was joking. It's fine. Whatever you use is good. Although, come on, Windows 10, come on. Mate. Yeah, I mean, I, I know a lot of blind people are still on XP. They refuse to upgrade. They're like, no, 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 I'm not changing from this. I like it. It works. Leave it alone. Yeah, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. <laughs> One thing, though, he does say, Brian also mentions in his email, is also note that the latest version of the Edge browser is based on Chrome now, and it's far better than their original heap of bits, I think he says here, that they started with. Um, yeah, you're not kidding. Well, yeah, it's it's hard to imagine how it could be worse than how it started. But yeah, yeah, it's definitely better now. Right. Uh, okay, well, moving on. Um, <laughs> no more comment on that one. Uh, <laughs> right, I want to mention William Burrell, who gets in touch as well. He says, hi, Stephen, Sean and Tim. He says, as usual, I enjoyed the latest podcast episode of Double Tap Canada, and in particular, the piece Sean did on NVDA. At the end of that demo, Sean said that he would be following up with uh, more demos to explain in depth how to use NVDA, which he did this Mm -hmm. week. Um, And I was wondering if it would be possible for you to make these into shorter, separate podcasts. Ah, more work for you, Sean. Ah, I'm used to it. And shorter, I like. Yeah, I will be putting all these uh, tutorials together and make them easier to find. It's just knowing where to put them. I mean, where can we put them, Stephen? Hmm, where could we? Oh, I don't know. Maybe maybe there's some kind of website we had or something we could put them on. Perhaps. Yes, we will put them up on the doubletap.online website soon. Well, maybe. once you two pull your finger up, we'll go on with it. Um... <laughs> Keep up the good work. And by the way, Sean, he says, I really enjoyed your Donald Where's Your Trousers reference the other week. Best regards, Billy Burrell. Well, at least someone got it. That's what I like. Thank you, Billy. I knew you'd get it. <laughs> um, listen, that's almost it for us. Uh, thank you so much for tuning in and listening. I always say tuning in. I always feel I'm dead old when I say that because, you know, no one tunes in to our podcast anymore or a radio show, do they? You don't tune in. There's no, there's no knob anymore. Well... What? <laughs> no. Yeah. Anyway, moving on. That's it for our show. Thank you so much. Uh, we will catch you again next time. Feedback at ami.ca. Um, keep the hate to minimal if we can, and or to Tim, uh, or to send it to Tim. Yeah. Yeah. And we will catch you next time on Double Tap Canada. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Thanks. Oh, and the website doubletap.online. It's amazing. <laughs> This was an AMI podcast. For more accessible media, visit AMI.ca.
Join me every couple weeks for the Outdoors with Lawrence Gunther podcast, where we learn about outdoor tech and tips. Plus, we look at news affecting the environment. AMI's Outdoors with Lawrence Gunther is available from your favorite podcast provider.